mindfulness mode. Seek out whatever feels true to you. And honestly, take a risk on something that you might not, might not do. Hey, Mindful Tribe, welcome to the show. We're here today to talk about masculinity. And I have a man with us who is really devoting his life to this topic. And his uh, website is sacredmasculinity.com. And I'm really excited to talk to him because he's he's just got so much wisdom, I know, because of his podcast I've listened to, his book, which is called The Journey Home. We'll be talking a little bit about that on the episode. But he's a, a thought leader on this topic of the sacred masculine. And I can just tell you that that's a revolutionary new approach to help men reconnect to the truth of their masculinity. And so we're going to dig right into it. So my guest today is Joseph Hortnagel. Joseph, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am indeed. I'm feeling very mindful. Thank you for asking. Yeah, you're welcome. It's great to have you here on the show. And uh, we met at Christian Mickelson's event back in December 2022. And that was great to meet you. That was a terrific event, wasn't it, Joseph? Yeah, that was a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah, it really was. Wow. I just love going to his events. So anyway, well, let's get started. What does mindfulness mean to you? Yeah, mindfulness for me, it's such an essential skill. Uh, When I was able to really understand the power of mindfulness, it started to make big changes in my life. Uh, I'm reminded of a young quote that I think really encapsulates it. And he said, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will run your life and you'll call it fate. And being able to practice mindfulness allows you to bring the unconscious forward so that you can see it clearly and make decisions from a place that really feels meaningful to you. Very interesting. Well, let's talk about your topic that you help the world with, the sacred masculine. Can you define that and tell us maybe how you arrived in this place where you're devoting your life to this topic? Yeah, the sacred masculine, it's something that I've discovered on my journey to heal a lot of my internal wounds and also how do I define and express my own masculinity. And on that journey, uh, a lot of what I went through was surrendering to the truth within myself of what was really absolutely true to me and how could I express that? Because there was a lot of times in my life where everything looked good on paper. You know, I had had a good job. I had a good education, my career was up and coming, was in relationships that seemed good. But there was this very deep dissatisfaction and feeling of being lost or of drifting. And it wasn't until I was able to have the presence of mind to be able to be mindful, to ask, ask my inner world, what am I unhappy about? And what is the what is the true thing I'm denying? And a lot of it was uncovering things I've been denying or had been uh, trying to just shove down deeper. Uh, some were things I didn't want to hear about myself. And as I explored that more and more, I was able to connect that energy that moved forward. Because when I was able to be truthful with myself, I felt free. I had basically opened the gates to my destiny to come forward. 
And as I explored that energy, for me, it started to manifest in these different ways of, of how I was expressing my masculinity. And so I started doing some more research and looking into the past of, you know, why, why has masculinity always been this important thing up until kind of the last couple of decades? And it was really these very ancient and sacred rites of passage, these roles that the masculine, that masculine beings played to support the community, to move it forward, uh, to basically protect life. And so as I was kind of putting this all together and kind of practicing it and helping other men discover it, it didn't have a name yet. It didn't, it was kind of still in the ether. It hadn't coalesced yet. And I was explaining, explaining this to a coach friend of mine and he was like, if you had to describe it, like give it a title, what would you, what would you call it? And I had a very mindful moment where I kind of asked myself, what would I call this? And the sacred masculine came forward. And I spoke that and everyone's eyes was just like, Ooh, that's powerful. That's powerful. And even within me, I was just like, wow, I don't know where that came from, but that's it. That's what I've, that's what I've discovered. And so I've spent, you know, the last year or so bringing this all together and building educational material and starting to spread the word about it, uh, to help men go on the journey I went to lead a more fulfilling life. Cool. Well, that that's awesome. And it's, it's great that you're helping people with this. I know that, that you've helped a lot of people through your book. I mentioned it at the top of the show. Your book is called The Journey Home. Yes, Revolutionary Art and Wisdom to Point You Out of Trauma and Into Self-Trust. So you wrote that with your partner, Jordan. And uh, yep. you two really seem to really compliment each other with how you communicate and uh, share your ideas. I mean, it's, it's really incredible. And you've also got a podcast called The Heart is a Muscle. And it's great listening to your podcast. You can, yeah, you can just tell how the two of you just gel and you you just are doing this from, from the heart. You both are. Right. That's obvious. So it's really cool that you have this life journey with a, with a partner that you see eye to eye with. Uh, yeah. Did that make a huge difference in your life when you, when you found a partner that you resonated with? I'm assuming it. Yeah, did. it was, it's absolutely been a, a chapter in, in my masculine journey because before we, it was really interesting how we met in the most, um, kind of serendipitous way. I had been a bachelor for a couple of years and was really on this healing journey of, um, finding what was true within me. And I joined a uh, speech club called Toastmasters, which probably a lot of people have heard about. Yeah. Um, and this beautiful 6'2 uh, woman walked in, just this most regal thing. I remember when I saw her, I was just like, wow. Uh, I couldn't believe it. And so we eventually kind of got to know each other and started this really amazing relationship. And the thing that we've always based it on is that very, they're very mindful practices of, of we will always be honest with each other and face the discomfort in the moment so that we know we can be secure in our lifelong journey. And like you said, we have found so many points of connection. She's also a coach and 
I mean, mindfulness, she is an expert on mindfulness. That's what she helps people uh, bring more into their life. And she actually was a huge catalyst for my growth. And a lot of it was this masculine, feminine push and pull to, uh, to bring each other into our higher selves. And it, it really wrote a lot of the chapters for how the sacred masculine and what I call the divine feminine, how they interact and how they play off of each other and how it's such a necessary thing to have meaningful relationships uh, and to really have passion and a sustainable relationship that gives everyone the most joy. It's, it's been an amazing journey and the, the things we've been able to create together, uh, they've been real challenges, but they've been so useful to help us refine not only our masculine and feminine polarity towards each other, but our own skills as being practitioners of healing, um, of speaking, of all these different kinds of things. So it's one of those things we we created the the podcast, The Heart is a Muscle, because we kind of looked at each other and were like, does it really get to be this good? We've both been in terrible relationships before, and we never thought it could be this good. And so we were like, I guess we got to share the message and let's just do it for fun. And it's really grown into this, this ritual that we have. And it's very vulnerable. It's us explaining our day-to-day interactions and how we go about, um, living together. And yeah, people love it. It's really, yeah, really, I love it. Thing. It's all about your relationship and it's just, yeah, it's just so authentic and so real. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not like you're putting on a show for people or thinking, oh, how are we going to frame this? You just go mm-hmm. on and it just sounds like you're just talking from the heart about a topic yeah. and it's just both of you sharing your, your real beliefs about that. So kudos yeah. to you guys. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of just sharing the most vulnerable versions of our, of ourselves, because that's what we want people to relate to of sometimes you just have to be messy and you have to be mindful. You have to be vulnerable and showing the benefits of what that can look like and giving them examples of two real people. Joseph, I want to go back to what you said at the beginning about truth and honesty. And I honestly mm-hmm. think that our our life's journey has to start with truth. And yeah. it sounds like you do too. And how can we really get into that mode and and really do the work and and move then on to the next step? What what are your words of advice for that? Yeah, this is a lot of what I've been trying to focus on uh, to make the sacred masculine very effective, because that's one of the, the gaps that I've seen too in a lot of self-help and self-healing is they describe a lot of the the why and the results and the this is where you need to be, but a lot of the how is is still kind of unclear. I mean, it's always been kind of unclear for me until. Um, I actually ran across, and this is something Jordan introduced me to, a uh, psychology modality called internal family systems that helps us look into our inner world and separate out the different personalities that we have into what you call parts. And when you're mindful of those parts, you can catch yourself acting out as one of these parts blends with you 
and makes you do a certain thing, you can have that mindfulness to step back and say, what is this part trying to do for me? What is it trying to protect me from? What is it trying to help me avoid? Um, Because a lot of the times that's where, you know, we get stuck in these reactive uh, kind of mentalities because there are these parts of us, they hold on to old memories, old traumas, a lot of Mm -hmm. old baggage, and they kind of one of the foundations that all your parts are trying their best to keep you safe. And a lot of the times they do that in ways that in the outer world aren't very useful, like addiction or numbing, all these different kind of things. And so when we, Jordan practices a lot and she introduced it to me. And when I was able to start to use this practice, doing mindfulness in meditation, in many different forms where you can just take a moment and ask, which part of me is here? And a lot of the times, a voice will answer to say, I am here because I have this feeling that I can't express. Or I'm here because this happened in the past and I'm not, I'm not done with it. And so using this, you can have a conversation with your inner world and allow these parts to say what they need you can also ask them to step back and allow more what is called self energy come forward, which for me is that true voice. It's that calm, connected, confident, very clear voice that when you ask it a question, it answers with a true answer. And it's one of those that is almost like a divine connection. I mean, you could equate it to someone praying And I think this is the power of of what prayer is, is that you get into this mindful state and you connect with a kind of a divine self. And when you can listen with a very like open and vulnerable mind and heart, you'll get the answers that you you need. And that's where truth for me is is such an important thing. It's almost a divine connection with uh, our inner world. Yeah, right. Well put. You mentioned about the fact that when you look back in your life, there was a period of time when you could tell that you were in a victimhood mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about that, if you would. What was going on in your life at that time and what caused you to come to the point where you're realizing that and able to then move on? Yeah. It's, it's a story that I think a lot of people have experienced and a lot of it was just limiting beliefs that I had accumulated over my life uh, by just being exposed to the chaos of modern society. I mean, there's so much, we're exposed to so much information. And most of that information is frankly not really true or not really useful or not given to us in a way that we can actually interpret. And so a lot of the victimhood feelings that I had were things of, I'm not good enough to deserve a better life uh, or things like I'm only valuable for what I can do. And if I can't do something, then I'm not valuable. This real kind of old school thinking of I need to be a producer. And if I can't produce, then why am I alive? Uh, And a lot of other things, too, of I like in relationship that I can't tell the truth because if I tell the truth, then I'll hurt my person's feeling and I need them to be good in a good situation, in a good state before I can be. A lot mm-hmm. of codependency. 
And the thing that really made the difference was that mindfulness practice to ask, why do I believe this? Where did this come from? A lot of, you know, some of this really sprang from doing research and learning from people like Rob Proctor and Tony Robbins, who, you know, have helped the world in so many ways to kind of break the spell. And so as I was incorporating a lot of this into my mindfulness practices, I would ask that question of, why don't I think I'm valuable? And a part of me would come forward and say, well, when we were a little kid, uh, when we were growing up on the farm, like we had to work. And if we weren't work, if we didn't work for dad, then, then he wouldn't love us. Mm. And I mean, none of this is true. And a lot of the times our, a lot of our victimhood parts, they hold stories that are more things that they experience rather than truths. My father was a great father and he loved me the best that he could. He provided for us. And I worked with him with such a great experience. It helped me develop my masculine self. But there was a part of me that needed something else that it didn't get. And maybe that was more affection. Maybe that was more love. Maybe it was, who knows? But this part held on to the story. And as I was able to be with this part and kind of bring it to my present state and say, no, there's so much more to us. Our value comes from within us. We get to decide how valuable we are. And you allow, you allow that part to reincorporate with you and release the burden that it's holding. And then that, that limiting belief, that victimhood eventually starts to fade away more and more until you feel a sense of empowerment. And it's taken many years. You know, this is very progressive stuff and you have good days and bad days, but continuously being mindful in this way, in the end makes all the difference. Joseph, I'm really curious. I know that a lot of clients have come to you for help and received a lot of awesome help. What is uh, the path? What do you do first with a client typically? And and what can that client expect to achieve from from Mm -hmm. being a client of yours? Yeah, a lot of it starts with trying to identify what is the what are the parts of them that have unmet needs? And masculinity is, is, is kind of this, this umbrella that we keep all of this in, but a lot of it is, especially dealing one-on-one with a client, you have to meet them where they're at. You have to get to know them. You have to vulnerably share yourself with them and create a space where they feel safe to vulnerably share with you because that's the only way you can, can, you can make that connecting feeling. Make that connection where you can actually get to the deep root of the problem because these are things that have been with us forever. And a lot of the times we're very afraid to face these things. So you have to make that connection. You have to create the trust. Trust is such a, a vital thing. And so for me, it is a lot of getting to know them, getting to know their parts, introducing them to their parts. And then we can incorporate what the framework of the sacred masculine is based off of five oaths, which are promises that the masculine keeps to itself as guideposts. And those oaths are the oath to freedom, the oath to service, the oath to camaraderie, the oath to lethality, and then the oath to challenge. 
Freedom, service, camaraderie, and what was the next yeah. one? Lethality. Okay. And then challenge. And challenge. Okay. As we get to know the different parts of us, we can start to reflect what their interpretation of, of the world is off of these waypoints and ask, is what this part needs or what is it trying to have you express in this outside world, is it keeping you free? Is it expressing your service in the best way? Is it challenging you? And from there, you can start to open the communication with these parts and help them release a lot of their burdens and also create a very practical guide for people to follow of this is what you should be focusing on during the week. When you run into a situation like this, here's the practice you can do to come back to self mindfulness and meditation practices to just reinforce this. One thing I, I love so much of Tony Robbins message is that emotional health is just like muscles. You have to condition it. You have to train it. I'm big into bodybuilding. So that hit me like right in the heart where it's just like, ah, of course it is. Of course it is. And from there, uh, a lot of it is support and helping them build their confidence. And eventually there has to be a graduation day too, because part of what we're building, especially from the sacred masculine is accountability for yourself. Because what we don't want to create is another codependency of, well, I am the masculine for them. It's really the rite of passage of handing that torch back to themselves and setting them free into the world with the tools to make the most of it. And this kind of, kind of the practice we go through. Everyone's different, but it's a very, very practical approach that has worked great so far. Joseph, you brought up the bodybuilding part of your life, and I'm really interested in that. I'm really curious how long you've been doing that. Maybe it's been your mm -hmm. whole adult life. I don't know, but what does it add to your life? And if you suddenly couldn't do that or didn't have yeah. that part of your life, how would your life be different and how would you feel differently? Yeah. Bodybuilding for me, when I was younger, it's, I've been really seriously bodybuilding for about 10 years. Uh -huh. I'm 35, almost 36 now. So uh -huh. this was in my mid twenties. This was when kind of my self revolution began. And a lot of it was me realizing I had the gift to build my body, mm -hmm. being proud that I could and using it as this is how I express my masculinity. I feel powerful when my body is fit, it's capable, and I was able to build a community around that. I mean, I have lifelong friends that were, you know, we're all gym rats, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's people that would have your back in yeah. any situation. I mean, I've, I've had some of my gym buddies that, you know, I had a, a flat tire or something like that. They'd be like, I'm on my way. I'm on my way. Just hang tight. And it's like, you, you don't get that very often. So there's no. this deep community. And now a lot of it was just kind of for fun and as a way to stay healthy and to uh, express my masculinity. And now for me, when I look at my life, it is the biggest challenge because I'm now trying to pursue this professionally and hiring a coach, seeking the support to be able to do that and pushing myself in every workout till completely exhausted and the satisfaction that I get from that. That's why the, the final sacred oath of challenge, I think, is so vital because 
masculine energy needs to do something. It has this penetrative effect. It needs to move out into the world. And if you don't focus that onto a challenge that is meaningful, a lot of the times you'll focus it on something that is not meaningful. You'll act out. You might do crime. You might get addicted to something or you might become abusive. There's all these different ways, kind of the the old nomenclature of uh, idleness is the devil's, what's that saying? Uh, idle hands are the devil's play place. Right. That's, that's why challenge is important. And so for me, focusing on bodybuilding and trying to make a professional career out of it, even if I fail, I don't care. Like that's the thing of, it's not that I have to do this, otherwise I'm a failure. It's if I don't try and push myself to past a, a, a point that I know I can, can do, that's what failure is. And part of this journey is failing a thousand times and letting that be the journey till you find that one point of success. I mean, it's, if to answer your question, if I couldn't have it in my life, there would be such a huge part missing. It would be devastating, <laughs> yeah. but it would be something I would have to work through, reorient and all that kind of stuff. Well, I know that you have a side of you that uh, where you really embrace the arts. And in your book, you have mm -hmm. incredible images of acrylic pouring art. Mm -hmm. Who did that? Is that you that created that yeah. art? Yeah. So tell us about that part of your life. Yeah, this is interesting. This is inside of us too. We have masculine and feminine polarity within ourselves as well. And most of the time we have kind of a major and a minor polarity. Mm -hmm. And if you're major and you're, you're anima or animus is the way that Jung really described it. And so for me, art and kind of the creative pursuits has been kind of my feminine expression of being creative, being really right brain thinking. Um, because the thing that really attracted me to acrylic fluid art is it's a, it's an abstract type of painting where you use techniques to try and create images but you never know exactly what it's going to look like. It's a very intuitive feeling and there's a lot of, it's so playful and it's, it's really fun to teach to kids and to adults who have lost their childhood or lost their, their inner children because it's so playful. You can't, you know, in a technical term, you can't mess it up. Yeah. And so for me, it was a real renaissance for kind of my inner child. I used to do art when I was a kid and really loved it and eventually kind of got the message of you can't be an artist, you need to go get a real job. And so I let that part of my life go. And now as an adult, part of my, rev my, my renaissance of self was this part of me that was like, hey, what about art? We loved to do that and we were really good at it. Why don't we try again? And so I ran across this art style and was like, I'll try this. This looks fun. I just absolutely fell in love with it. And we, when Jordan and I were creating the book, we had the original idea of, oh, we should pair the art and the words because they're both so poetic and they kind of mm -hmm. play off of each other. And I don't think we understood how powerful it is because it creates this compelling imagery that kind of brings you to a presence of mind to be mindful. And the words then just, they just soak into you to really hit you in very emotional parts. I mean, there's times I was reading our own book and just started to cry of like, this is such a powerful message. Like I didn't know we had created something like this. So 
That's it's awesome. for me kind of a fun, fun little side gig. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's awesome. And your book, you know, it, it really makes loving yourself a lot easier. And that's, well, that's one of the mm-hmm. things that we talk about a lot on mindfulness mode is, you know, Hey, let's talk about this loving yourself business. And that's something that a lot of people find challenging. So what are your words of advice when it comes to loving yourself? How do we manage that? Yeah, this is a very, very crucial part too. And this is also one of the aspects of coaching that I, I really try to try to teach people wherever you are in life, you have to meet yourself there. And a lot of the times we hold a lot of resentment or regret or outright anger towards where we are in life. We have so many this list of expectations that we're supposed to be at this point in time and we haven't met any of them. And so we hold on to this, this just stew of all these negative emotions and meeting yourself where you are at in your, in your life and learning to foster that self love is going through the practice of forgiveness is really learning to love yourself for who you are and where you are, regardless of where you are. I mean, it's, it's funny. One of the the best ways I can describe the feeling of love is accepting someone for exactly who they are and not wanting to change them one bit. And that's when that, that self love is so important because until you can reach that point, it's very difficult to move beyond that because you'll have all these parts that want to jump forward and say, well, yeah, you didn't, you haven't made this much money yet, or your body isn't this thing that it's supposed to be, or, um, you know, you're, your past is still here and it's hanging you up until you can forgive all those things within yourself and kind of come to center where you can really love yourself regardless of who or what you are. That's where the healing really starts. And it's not that those parts are going to go away or you're going to just have a clean blank slate, but it's setting a place at the table for those. I think Rumi had this original analogy where you set a place at the table for all parts of you to come and enjoy tea. And what's powerful through parts work and my aim with the sacred masculine is that you can change those parts that hold those beliefs from uh, negative influences to really wise mentors where you can listen to their advice, bring that to your consciousness and make decisions from this pantheon of parts of you. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you address is really getting to the root cause of your pain. In the book, you talk about that and, you know, we all have pain. It's just not easy to get to the root cause. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. What are some of the methods you recommend to help people get to the root cause of your pain? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's... The main thing that I advise for people on a very practical level is don't try and do this by yourself. Find a good coach, find a reliable, reliable therapist. We're not meant to do this on our own. This is a real mis, misnomer of modern society is that we're all supposed to be these independent, strong people who can face any challenge. And while that's a virtuous thing to pursue, we're not supposed to do this alone. This is where I fell through so much in my practice of just trying to go it alone. And it wasn't until I seeked out, I w- or until I w- was seeking coaches and mentors 
and you know other individuals just like you uh, mm-hmm. to help you bring this stuff forward because we can so often trap ourselves in our own mind and just go nowhere. You know, there's so much self-help material out there. You know, like I mentioned, Tony Robbins, Bob Proctor, Christian Mickelson, all those kind of guys. Mm-hmm. And they do a fantastic job of giving you tools to get started. But to make real effective progress, you need help. Yeah, and totally sometimes agree. that is a big surrender. You yeah. have to surrender into that and open yourself wider to let that helpful energy come. Yeah. So yeah, practical thing to really kind of help bring a lot of those lost children, those lost parts forward is to find someone to help you do that. Yeah. And there's lots of great coaches who spe- who specify or specialize <laughs> yeah. in IFS training. My partner Jordan, she does that specifically and it's amazing to see how people open up and the weight that is released in their life when they're able to get to know these different parts. Because a lot of the times to get to the root cause, you have to witness the part and what it's missing in its life or what its trauma was. You have to take a journey with it, bring it to the present, give it basically a new meaning, give it an alternative meaning to what it can do with the energy it has and then allow it to release that back into the universe. It's very inner inner world, kind of metaphysics type of thing. But when you see people actually kind of going through this, uh, this is one of the real positive things about IFS is that the, the founder of it, Richard Schwartz, or Dr. Richard Schwartz, he has so much material of him doing coaching sessions with people, and you can see this happen where people are in this therapeutical session and these childlike parts will come forward and they'll have a conversation with them and allow that trauma that that childlike part has been holding on to let it go. And it's, they're new people, absolutely new people. And it's really powerful to watch. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, Get a coach who knows what they're doing. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, I, and I realized you were sitting beside your coach, at least one of your coaches at, at the event I was at, Coach Ian. Yeah. And you mentioned that he had really helped you a lot to move forward with what you're doing in life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's yeah. Fantastic. I mean, there's so many aspects in life. We're not supposed to do this on our own. For me, it was how do I grow this business around mm-hmm. the sacred masculine? And yeah. I was able to meet my coach, Ian. And he has been such a godsend and it was, you you can't replace it. It's so important. Yeah. Do you have a story you can share about one of your clients, a story where somebody has really made huge progress and, and arrived at a new place, transitioned to some place that they had been really looking for? Yeah, there's a, one of the men I've been working with, um, some of the things he's been troubled with is in his relationship with his wife, they, they have conflict where they'll be trying to work together to work as a team and a part of him will come forward. And it's a part that wants him to do something. And it was interesting. We had a conversation. He's like, I know I shouldn't do this. I know I shouldn't act like this. I know I should do this, but I still do. And so my question was, well, if you know all this stuff, why aren't you listening to that part that knows? Why are you ignoring that? 
And it, it opens up the, the question of, I don't know why. Well, let's dig into that. And when you're able to ask that question of why are other parts basically not allowing this true part to really come forward and, and to listen, he is able to, through mindfulness, I mean, this is the power of mindfulness. This is why I really admire your, your, your work here. When you can have that mindfulness to stop, even in the heat of the moment, you know, you could be out, about ready to have a huge fight with your wife or with your boss or with anybody. When you can have that, that peacefulness of mind to ask, which part of me is needing something and why am I about to react this way? You bring that unconsciousness forward and then you can make a conscious choice. And a lot of the times a conscious choice made with the awareness of why you were going to act out allows you to have the calmness of mind to make a choice that's true to you. And for him, it's, you know, we're, we haven't been working very long, but it does not take long to say, Hey, I, I want to celebrate this huge win. You know, I was about to really let my wife have it because I was feeling this and she was reacting this way. And I was able to have that mindfulness and make a choice to do something better. And it's just, it's, it's amazing. It made all the difference. And for me, it's, that's the most satisfying thing where you can make small changes of awareness and really see these drastic impacts. And it affects people in so many ways in a, uh, a relationship. It is this reciprocating effect of the more that you're mindful and be able to be a truer version of yourself. So is your partner invited to do that as well? Because a lot of this is sharing vulnerably about what you need or what's really true for you and you create that invitation it also when you know you do this in front of your children you are showing them a more comprehensive and more positive way to deal with the challenges of life yeah you really are so you know yeah i don't want to get into too much but yeah. that's yeah. It's a very a similar great, story great story yeah great yeah. story yeah, speaking of stories, I want to ask you about this. I've worked in bullying prevention for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I want to ask you about this because I know that bullying and mindfulness are dovetailed. They're closely connected. Yeah. Do you have a story you can share with us, Joseph, where mindfulness would have maybe made a difference in a bullying situation? I do. I have a very, very direct, where I was being extremely bullied. Oh, wow. And this is a very recent one. Uh, I was recently in a job working for a man who... I really admired, um, but I know that he had a lot of emotional problems. And a lot of the times he would kind of manipulate people emotionally by being very aggressive and um, kind of manipulative to make you feel like you're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. And there was a situation where he was kind of acting out with one of our employees and not honestly really kind of sabotaging things just because he couldn't couldn't move past this issue he had. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of confronted him about it. It was like, hey, the way that you're acting is not helping. Let's figure out what we need to do to find what's wrong with, with this situation and come to it. And he went after me, very bullying of, you're the problem because you're too soft and you don't have what it takes to get the things done. And these people don't need coddled. And it was very frightening, honestly. 
the one thing I was able to really do was to be able to stay open, listen, listen to his parts, what they were saying to me, and listen to the message behind what they're saying to me. And through being really mindful, staying calm, staying present, but staying very direct and also staying very kind. Because that was the thing, this is the thing that I found, you've probably seen this too, is bullying cannot stand up to kindness. Right. If you can meet them with kindness and compassion, they just, it just, they just fizzle. Yeah, bullying And as crumbles. I was able to do this with my boss, he eventually just ran out of steam. And we kind of came to this, this point where it's like, yeah, he kind of owned up to it. It was like, yeah, okay, I, I see what you're saying and... It was this really thing where I thought we were going to come to blows almost. It was that intense of a feeling, and I really had to regulate myself. And in the end, we shook hands and came to a very meaningful agreement, and we're better off, the both of us. So, yeah. Wow, that's a good story. <laughs> it was, wow. Yeah, it's a, it was kind of one of those where even when I walked away, I was like, I don't know how I did that, but this is everything I've been like training to do, and I used it, and it worked. <laughs> yeah. That's a great story. Yeah. yeah. As we move forward in the interview, Joseph, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers yep. are perfect. The first one is this. Who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? Tony Robbins. hundred oh, yeah. percent. I have a lot of respect for him. Um, a little secret of mine. I hope to be him one day. Ah, very cool. Well, I would say you're well on your way, you know, based on your <laughs> book and your podcast and all, Thank you know, you. what little I know about you. I think, wow, it's quite yeah. incredible. Your journey is, is really impressive. My second question is this, it's about emotions. So how has mindfulness helped you to deal with your emotions? Mm -hmm. For me, it has given me the clarity to see my emotions and what causes them. I mm -hmm. used to be very anger anger forward. A lot of things made me angry. They made me resentful. I was very judgmental. And mindfulness has given me the clarity to see the parts of me that held those beliefs, that held those emotions and what they need. And when you can see that, you can start to heal them. Yeah, totally. Totally. Let's talk about breathing. Do you have any thoughts that you could share on this topic? Yeah. This is something that's very interesting. I'm going to take kind of a non-conventional, but for bodybuilding, breathing is an absolute must. Yeah. If you cannot breathe and breathe in rhythm with the movement that you're doing, you can't do the movement. And so there is a very meditative practice of when you're lifting weights, when you're pushing heavy weight, when you are exerting your body to its limits, having that calm peacefulness of mind. My, my coach is a famous former bodybuilder and he is very spiritual. Mm -hmm. And he has been teaching me this mindfulness because you have to move through a lot of discomfort to be able to do this. And having mindfulness and a calm, peaceful mind with breath to allow the body to have what it needs and to calm the mind is so critical. Yeah, I would certainly agree with that for sure. Uh, now, your book... Uh, which is called The Journey Home. I was mentioning it earlier, very uh, wonderful book and and has terrific reviews. So Mindful Tribe, check out The Journey Home, revolutionary art and wisdom to point you out of trauma and into self 
Trust by Joseph Hortnagel. But do you have any other books that you would recommend on this topic of mindfulness? Yes, Um, especially for men. One of the revolutionary books for me that started my masculine journey was Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willinks. It's a very, very compelling book about um, a lot of the things he faced as a Navy SEAL. And the thing that struck me about it was how vulnerable the conversations were. They were these extreme situations where these men were in life or death situations. And a lot of the times they didn't always come out unscathed. And as a leader, how he was able to help these men uh, to survive, to thrive, and to have productive lives outside of the military. Absolutely crucial book for any man. Extreme ownership. We'll put all Extreme of this. Extreme ownership. Yeah, we'll mm-hmm. put all of this in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. Yeah. My last question is about uh, apps. Are there any apps that you would recommend? Apps. I don't really use a whole lot of apps for, for things that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, get a good note-taking app. Yeah. Because one of the things that I am trying to do a lot more, uh, especially from kind of a creativity aspect or um, even just self-mindfulness, is have something you can jot down notes really quick. I use just a notepad app. It's one that came with my phone. Yeah. Um, because when you can do that in the moment of like an emotion comes up and you, you get stuck in a spiral and you can have that moment of clarity, write that down and come back to it later and, and relive that so that you can get that repetition of those experiences. That's the conditioning part. And also it's great to keep for cool ideas for whatever project you have. I mean, I have thoughts about the sacred masculine all day and night. So I'm just like, oh, I got to write that one down. So that'd be my recommendation, a good note-taking app. Okay, that that is terrific. And uh, yeah, I want to ask you as we hit the, almost the end of the interview, I want to ask you if you have any final words of advice for our listeners, Joseph? Yeah, mindfulness is such an important thing. It's such an undervalued thing. And I think it's a very unique thing to everybody. You have to kind of find your own version of mindfulness. So seek out whatever seems true to you, whether that's courses or books. There's so many good books. Um, Another book I'm reading right now is uh, Peaceful Warrior, which is a really interesting narrative about, you know, this boy learning from this kind of Zen master uh, to be more mindful. Really powerful. Yeah, it's a great book. So seek out whatever feels true to you. And honestly, take a risk on something that you might not do or you might not see as very useful and let it surprise you. Stay open. Well, I appreciate your words of wisdom and I appreciate you and what you're sharing with the world. Yeah, likewise. Your website, thesacredmasculine.com. And uh, so check that out, Mindful Tribe. Joseph, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, Thanks so much for being on too. Mindfulness Mode. Yeah, thank you, Bruce. Yeah, my pleasure. So all the best to you and uh, hope to talk again soon. I'm sure we will. Yeah, thanks for doing what you do. Awesome. Bye now. Bye-bye. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Joseph as much as I did. I really found it just to be so 
fulfilling and beneficial. And I know I'm going to be going back and listening again two or three times to this interview. And I want to mention that, you know, maybe you are experiencing some challenges right now in life. Maybe you're feeling like you're stuck or you just are not able to move forward and accomplish what you want to accomplish. That's exactly What I do is I help people through my coaching who are feeling frustrated. Maybe some anxiety is involved. Maybe uh, you can't get through some kind of a habit that's holding you back. Well, I use hypnosis, as I'm sure you've heard me talk about this before, to help my clients move forward quicker and just leave these things behind and because you are a mindful tribe listener i'd love to offer you a free session so you are welcome to send me an email send me a message at bruce at mindfulnessmode.com so that we can jump on a free session And we will talk about this. We will talk about how it is possible for you to move forward. And all you need to do is just have this kind of determination to actually accomplish this. So I'm asking you to put, I'm determined, right there in the subject line of this email. Again, it's bruce at mindfulnessmode.com with the subject, I'm determined. And I challenge you to send me that email and we will jump on a free call and talk about how you can move forward. And with that, I just ask you to take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus and happiness. Stay in the mode.